Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind our favorite games. On today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the game Anomia. Anomia is a word-based card game designed by Andrew Innes and published by Anomia Press in 2010. Anomia is for 3-6 to six players, and a typical game takes 20-30 to 30 minutes to play. Enjoy the episode! Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Mike Riemann. And I'm Spencer Campbell. And this is Beyond the Board. And this week we're talking about the game Anomia. Anomia, a little party card game. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a more, or less complicated game than we're used to talking about. Um, but we'll start off by basically saying what Anomia stands for. Yeah, anomia, it's an interesting name. It's actually, it's the name of a disorder that one could have. It's basically a difficulty or inability to recall or pull up the name of common everyday objects that you should, you should be able to just know. You you know these things. They're stored away in your memory, but you have a really hard time bringing them forth out of memory. Mm-hmm. And so the game, the way it plays on this and why it's called anomia uh, the way it works is everyone would be sitting in a circle and you would draw from a central deck that everybody would draw from. And each card that you lay in front of you will have a symbol and will also have something like an object or a place or a country um, or a, I don't know, just a person. Yeah, uh, so like some of the examples noun. on the back. Yeah, exactly. Categories. Yeah. And some categories you might see are like famous criminals or countries in Europe. Or basketball teams, or spotted animals, or things you find in a kitchen. Right. Uh, and as you put these in front of each other, they'll go all the way around, and they'll have these different colored symbols on them, like a yellow diamond or a, a, a purple squiggly line or something like that. If your symbol matches up with another person when you flip it over, your job is to say something from that category on the other person's card that you matched up with. So if if I'm sitting there as Mike and I have a card that says African country mm-hmm. and then it's got a yellow diamond and then Spencer flips over a card that says tree. Tree. And it's also a yellow diamond. I have to think of a tree and he has to think of an African country. And I'll we have to say it as quick as we possibly can. So I would say maple. Right. And I'd yell Egypt. Uh-huh. If he could. Which but I could. In, in the heat of the moment, it's really difficult to try and yell those things. But if you do get it, you get the card, and that's your point. Uh, and then the object is to get as many points before the deck is over. It's, and that's really kind of the crux of it. That's the singular rule of the game, which is if you have a matching symbol with somebody else, it's a race. They, I think they call it a face-off to say uh, an item from the category, your kind of opponent's category, faster than them. There's one additional rule that they add to the game with the this thing called a, a wild card, which is basically a, an additional card that you keep in the center of the, the table whenever it gets played, and it, it has two, two symbols on it from the deck, and it basically says, oh, by the way, not only are you looking for matching symbols, but the two symbols on this card now count as a match. Yeah, so if the card has a yellow diamond and a purple squiggly on it, then anytime a purple squiggly or a yellow diamond pops up and you have a purple squiggly or a yellow diamond in front of you, you have to watch out for that. So it creates this real, real tense atmosphere as you're going around the table and everyone's like looking at the cards as they're coming out and they just stack in front of you 
Um, so eventually what can happen is you name somebody else's and they take theirs off and give you the point, but then it reveals another symbol and then somebody else could name it. And then it's called a cascade. And then it just keeps going around where everyone's just yelling different nouns across the table in all these different categories. Uh, and so it, 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 it becomes really tense, but really fun because people are just like about to explode. It's like, uh, the steam on top of a, of a, (laughs) Like a, a pot, a on pot, the, on like the stove. Yeah. just about to boil over, and everyone's just really, really tense. And some things come out of your mouth that, like, y- you have no idea, like, because you're trying to think of the word, but you'll say something completely different. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty surprising how something as straightforward as a type of tree, and you just stare at that card, going, "How can I not think of a type of tree right now?" When you're in that that really stressful face-off situation. <laughs> It's a very, very fun game. It's uh, it's super easy. It's, you know, you can play with a family. Uh, the, the categories are generally, it's general knowledge for the most part that pretty much most people will know something from the category. Uh, and it's, it's it, like you said, it's kind of this fast-paced, stressful game, but the stress is actually what makes the game so much fun. Everyone's kind of sitting there on the edge of their seat wondering, what's the next symbol that's about to flip? And it's moving fast, too. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're, it's a slow reveal. Like People are flip, 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 flip until you see these matches and the, the face-offs go off. And then, and, and then the whole room explodes and you lose your friends. It's, it's very, <laughs> and very And then your fun. friends call your, your, your own mother something terrible and you don't want to play it anymore. And It's a lot of fun, though. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good game. You can pick up the standard edition, which just has two decks in it. And it's really easy to kind of travel around with. You have right here in front of us the, the party edition, which has a bunch of decks in it. So I think there's what, like... Six, six decks, I think. Six six decks, so which is really nice, so that you can play through all the decks and it wouldn't have repeats, or you can eventually start mixing decks. Mm-hmm. And it's well, it, a lot of the times we would play with two decks at one time because we'd have so many people playing. Yeah, you you kind of just need to at that point. Yeah, it's it, a it's a great party game. Um, but uh, since we are the game is called Anomia, and since it's all about uh, word retrieval and trying to think of the the name of certain regular everyday objects, and you can. You could you like I know what it is I see it in my brain but I just can't think mm-hmm. of it. Uh, it. It it actually is a real problem that some people have, um, uh, which is a form of aphasia, uh, which we're going to talk about uh, right now. Yeah, so anomia is actually a a species of this this family of disorders known as aphasias, and an aphasia is essentially a uh, a, a disorder that you might have that is. Well, there's a, a couple things that it could come from, and we'll talk about causes in a little bit. But generally what an aphasia is is a difficulty with language comprehension or production, or both sometimes in some pretty extreme cases. But basically due to some sort of brain damage, you have an inability or a very extreme difficulty producing language or comprehending and understanding language. And it's important that he's saying language and not speech yes. because language is is the actual word that you're looking for. These people with uh, these aphasias, they don't have difficulty speaking or actual problems with their motor skills or their functions of their body. It's all based entirely in the brain. So it really is just different things aren't connecting where they should be in the brain, and so they can't figure out what that word is. They can see it. They could they could have it in front of them, mm-hmm. and they still wouldn't know what it is because that certain word in their language is not connecting to to the the part that we're trying to say it out loud. Right. This is no. This is not the result of paralysis of the tongue or mouth or anything like that that is causing difficulty creating speech. 
Speech is just the outcome of this kind of central program in our brain called language. Yeah, you explained it a good way of thinking about it as like a code. Yeah, if you think about this whole concept of communication as a, a program in a, in a computer, the code that built that, that program is based off of it is what we would call language. And then speech is the output of that program. It's actually booting up the program and running it, and it is what comes out of your computer's speakers. Mm-hmm. So... Speech is the product of a string, you know, many, many, many strings of code that are language, which is the grammar rules that you know, social mores in terms of how communication works and everything like that. And it's that code that has something going on with it, uh, something problematic going on, and that's what's causing these aphasias to exist. Your malware in your brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's all there's a huge list of symptoms. There's a lot of different areas of language comprehension or production that could be, you know, symptomatic of having an aphasia. A lot of them are usually in the realm of an inability or difficulty with producing words or even whole sentences, Mm -hmm. or it goes back down to even reading or understanding what someone is saying to you as well. Mm -hmm. And and even writing, uh, that's also added to it. Uh, But it's naming objects, uh, uh, forming words, uh, speak speaking um spontaneously yeah uh-huh. uh it, it can be very eff- effortful and like difficult for certain aphasics to like plan out the exact words that they need to say and even then they don't necessarily get it right well i was watching this documentary as well that they were she she can't say the certain words and she can't read certain words mm-hmm. but like her uh, form of aphasia she was able to write out sentences when she said them. So if she said a whole sentence like this, and I said, I am saying a sentence, I can write out the sentence. But if she had to read, I am writing a sentence, that took her forever. Right. Which is really interesting because it, it runs a different path in your brain, the actual writing out opposed to opposed to actually connecting the words to different things in your head and like images in your head. And that's that's a really good point that you made there. It's it, those are kind of the two branches of language and those are the kind of the two areas that can be affected in very different ways in aphasia. Either the production side, the ability to write something for instance or to say a sentence and then the comprehension fluency mm-hmm. side, which is the ability to take in language and understand you know, read a sentence, listen to someone speaking and understand what they're saying. So there are like, just as there are many, many symptoms of aphasia, people have done their best to try and label certain types of aphasias as a means of just easier diagnosis for individuals. There's a little bit of controversy around that, and we can talk about that after we go over the types. But for now, let's just focus on kind of three of the the main types of aphasia that that represent the different areas of how this could be difficult or problematic for individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously anomia is a form of aphasia, yeah. uh, but we're talking about three most common. Yeah, or... they're, they're, they're probably the most broad in their description in that just like we talked about how language is all about either production, uh, comprehension, or some combination of the two, these three aphasias then represent those three pillars of what could be problematic in an individual. Mm-hmm. And so number one would be the receptive form. Wernicke's? Wernicke, yeah. Wernicke. Uh, 
Uh, so Spencer is a cognitive psychologist. Uh, I am. <laughs> so he has a little bit more experience with this. I'm a graphic designer, and so <laughs> a lot of these uh, phrases and uh, things go right over my head. But we always have Spencer to fall back on. I was very excited when we chose this. <laughs> so Wernicke's, uh, it's all based in, in reception, and um, people can, can talk perfectly fine, unlike me. Uh, <laughs> they have fluent speech, but they have a difficulty with comprehending uh, things. So they can generate full sentences, but they can be very nonsensical um, or have just unnecessary words added into it, or they even don't finish their sentences. Yeah. And they'll just cut off thinking they've had their complete thought, or they'll just be lost in that thought. Um, they usually have a hard time with perceiving and uh, speech and written text, uh, and so they have difficulty understanding other people and also understanding themselves. And they sometimes do get lost in their own brain trying to think of it. A lot of times it can cause a lot of frustration, too. Yeah. You can see uh, I've seen a couple people break down from it. I, I know somebody that I went to college with actually has that. Um, and, and you see them, they're trying to pronounce the words by doing certain things with their, their hands to form the words. Mm-hmm. They know the word November. and But it's like, no, November. Like, it's it's really interesting to watch them try to put these pieces together. And it almost is like, wait, is this a real thing? But it's mm. it's it's amazing how your brain actually works and is trying to use different pathways to get what you want out. Yeah, absolutely. And so the reason this is called receptive or Wernicke's aphasia here is that uh, it's, it's related to the part of the brain in the left hemisphere called Wernicke's area. So there's basically two two regions of the brain that we largely map onto with language comprehension. Most of the left hemisphere is kind of we think about as the language part, but there's plenty of research that talks about the right hemisphere that I won't go into. (laughs) But there's an area called Wernicke's area, which was actually proposed a long, long time ago by a a scientist named Carl, Carl Wernicke, who basically saw these people who had this sort of receptive aphasia, this this kind of inability to comprehend uh, language and he he examined kind of the where is the brain damage taking place and he was able to based off of their own personal brain damage kind of get a general gist of the area that might be responsible for it and we call it Wernicke's area now and you know with more more precise instrumentation that we have nowadays we're able to kind of get a, a more exact location of where Wernicke's area might be or how the area in general around it is related to language uh, comprehension. So this is the comprehension half of language that we're talking about here, Hmm. which is a little bit different than the next aphasia that we're going to talk about, which is the expressive or the the production side of language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Broca's? Yeah, Broca's. Broca's. Yeah, so that's... uh, it's a difficulty in in actually speaking, uh, and but you completely understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, people tend to speak in short and halted sentences. Uh, they admit a number of keywords uh, because they've retained their comprehension abilities. They tend to uh, they can understand other people, um, but they just have their own issues in in producing the speech itself. Um, and where's that part of the brain? So that, again, is on the in the left hemisphere. It's basically in, kind of near the, the front part of the, the left hemisphere. And it's this, it's this issue, especially like you mentioned, that they speak in these short, halted sentences that they miss so many words. And sometimes they're missing function words, which we... A function word is something like is or a uh, or the. These small words that help us connect content words like house, dog, and things like that. 
So sometimes they'll miss the function words, and it's easy enough to piece together what they're trying to say. They might just say two nouns next to each other or a noun and a verb, and you have to kind of make the connection of what they're they're trying to express to you. But sometimes they're missing those content words too, and it's really kind of a you have to read the context of the situation in order to understand what someone with Broca's aphasia is trying to communicate with you. But very much like Wernicke's area, there was a scientist named Pierre-Paul Broca, and he also, based off of you know, studying some aphasic individuals who had this difficulty with the expressive side of language, was able to kind of get a general idea of where this part of the brain that is responsible for language production might be. And it's, after we, after I mentioned, we've mentioned both of these areas now, Wernicke's area and Broca's area, it's important to note that the brain has this thing called neuroplasticity, which is this concept that no one part of the brain is entirely responsible for a sole task, and that's the only part that does that task, and it has no other responsibilities. Because that would be really problematic for the brain if suddenly you had brain damage and you just couldn't do one thing entirely. So regions of the brain are actually, they, they learn from one another. They're neighbors to one another, and they learn bits and pieces of what the, the surrounding regions are, are capable of or what they're responsible for, so that if you do get damaged to Broca's area, the areas around Broca's area have some idea of how expressive language works. You don't just lose the ability to speak. You get hindered in your ability to speak, but your brain is very adaptable, and it does its best to try and pick up the slack, more or less. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about like how things have been can be reconnected a little bit later, because there are certain treatments yeah. that people take care of. Um, but uh, but that being said, uh, you, you said that like no one part is is affected, but also it's never cut and dry whether you have uh, Broca's or uh, Wernicke's aphasia. It can also be a combination of the two, and that's called global aphasia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sometimes it's a little bit of one and a little bit of the other, but it's it's kind of all mixed up together. It's just generally when you're talking separate, they're two places in the brain, right? Yeah. Okay. So, the yeah, the global aphasia is is maybe an easier term to use of you you may you probably have difficulty with both the production side and the the comprehension side of language but at maybe various levels it might be extreme in both it might be subtle in one and higher in another which is goes back to that idea that we talked about this difficulty of classifying things into specific aphasias like this is actually counterproductive because it's like you mentioned it's not typical for you to just purely have a problem with the expressive side of language or something like that if you have an, an, uh, an aphasia. And so instead, we've kind of shifted away from this idea of like trying to label people based off of one of these kind of named aphasias and instead just focus on symptoms. What are the symptoms that are problematic and what areas of the brain do we think are kind of related to that symptom and just address this, address it by a symptom-by-symptom basis rather than saying, well, he kind of has problems with producing speech. So we're going to just call him a Broca's aphasic mm-hmm. and then treat him as if he's a Broca's aphasic when there might be something else going on and you're ignoring that. Yeah. Uh, if you take that kind of all or none sort of diagnosis system. I feel like, I mean, with a lot of things in science and the way people are healed in certain ways, that that happens a lot where people just lump them into, oh, well, they're this. So that's the way we got to treat them when they can have multiple symptoms in different areas. So yeah. it's, it's just about... I guess 
we need to take little steps and <laughs> yeah, treat the symptoms rather than try and put a label on it and then treat the label. Yeah, it makes more sense to take it as the symptoms that are actually affecting the individual sort of situation. So what kind of what can cause aphasia? Yeah, besides a game like Anomia. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what aphasia is the sort of thing that is it is created typically. Most often, it's a it's due to some sort of brain damage that is a result of a stroke or some sort of head injury or trauma to the head Mm -hmm. Um, or diseases that can affect the brain Uh, the documentary i watched was actually a birth defect in her brain that Mm. no idea she had she had no idea until it happened she was watching fireworks one night if you get a chance it's on netflix it's called my my beautiful broken brain um or my broken beautiful brain one of the two but it's uh but she was watching fireworks one night went to bed woke up with a splitting headache and ended up stumbling to a local hotel where she just passed out and her family had no idea where she was for like three days. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and it's all about her recovery over like the next year. And even then, even like a year later, she's not like, she's not tip top. She'll never be the same, but she, she's accepted that like, she's just a different person now. Mm. And, and these are the things that she does now. Um, and it's, it's really interesting how they tried to treat a lot of the different things too, but we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, so basically an aphasia can come on strong and fast. Mm-hmm. If it's a result of a stroke or some sort of injury to the head, then aphasia is just going to pop into existence. It's just going to suddenly be a problem in that person's life. As opposed to if you have some sort of degenerative uh, disease that is slowly affecting your brain or even something like a tumor or dementia or anything like that, then you'll see a slow progression into aphasia. Uh, but in either case, it's it's typically, more often than not, is a result of a, a, a stroke or a head injury of some sort, mm-hmm. which means really your only preventative measures for stopping aphasia from happening in your life is to be healthy, like <laughs> to live a healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. to do whatever you can to reduce strokes mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah, strokes caused by um, like blood clots uh, that's based entirely on your... Um, uh, blood clots based entirely on your... Uh, uh, a diet. Yeah, exactly. And, and Exercise, exactly. eat healthy, don't drink too much. It's, it's exactly what a doctor is going to tell you to live a healthy lifestyle anyway. Those are kind of your only real means of avoiding an aphasia. And also don't go, like, hitting your head against things. Sure. Especially I, the left side of your head. Yeah, and, like, I mean, probably if you think that maybe you have a family history of something like that, like a disease like this one mm-hmm. uh, girl had, uh, I mean, it was it was something before birth, uh, like a pre-birth defect, but go get checked out. Like, I mean, if you got the insurance for it, why not? Sure. <laughs> Just get checked out and and see if everything's okay. Um, but the ways they, different ways they treat it, right. um, are interesting. A lot of it's therapeutic, and they they what they do is they they get you to sit there, especially if it's it's I can't think of this word if it's um um if it's if it's like specifically like anomia and you mm-hmm. can't think of what this object is like you see it you have it in your hand you can call it the color orange but you don't know it's actually an orange mm-hmm. like you can say the word it's not that but like you don't you personally don't realize it's an orange you can say oh well it's an orange it's round or it's it's orange it's round it feels rough mm-hmm. it smells sweet um and so what they do is they have like they ask you, okay, well, where would you find this? And mm. what do you think it tastes like? And they'll try to get your brain to connect in a bunch of different ways to circle around to get to, wait, oh, that's what it is. It's an orange. Right. You have all these sort of 
hooks and cues in your memory system that are connected to that word. And mm-hmm. so trying to reestablish those cues to the word, basically re- reform those connections. Mm-hmm. And it's important to note that treatment for an aphasia needs to happen relatively soon after you realize that you have it. Because especially when it's these sort of, the sort of on, sudden onset from a stroke or head injury, because your brain, like we said, that neuroplasticity, it is going to do its best to try and pick up the slack and assign the duties of that damaged region to other parts of the brain. And so in order to, to best use the brain's flexibility, you have to kind of kick into that therapy right away. Mm-hmm. Like within the first half a year, first six months, you should be in treatment right away. Huh. Otherwise, your brain is going to start settle in, settling in and it's going to say, okay, I did my best. I've assigned the duties to the the neighboring re- regions to the best of my ability, and they have some idea of how to do this thing. They learned a little bit, but you're going to, at that point in time, it's going to start stiffening up and that's going to be the new abilities that you have and so treatment's got to come like real fast i mean it's kind of like if you cut yourself you cut yourself if you don't take care of it or like a deep wound if you don't get stitches it's going to it's going to leave like a bigger scar than what you would want exactly and it's eventually going to heal um i have heard of other ways of healing and different ways to connect through the brain um music is an interesting way because it uses different pathways to the brain to listen to something Mm -hmm. and um my wife was telling me that uh, because she's a musician she was telling me she saw this one thing to where the person couldn't say the word apple Mm -hmm. but they could sing it oh interesting like and so they like they knew the word and they sang the word it went through a completely different neural pathway Mm -hmm. in their brain and i mean that would get really annoying (laughs) you walked around and everyone was singing songs probably why my mom sings a lot of stuff i should get her she should need to get checked out because she's got a word retrieval problem (laughs) well there you go yeah so if you if you think this at all was interesting and you kind of want to play with your own brain and see if you can get like a little weird uh try to try and know me out it's 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 definitely one of those games where you you hear me say the categories and you're like oh well i can think of a uh famous criminal or i can think of a a u.s city and you're thinking about it right now because you're calm and you're on your couch mm-hmm. listening to the podcast but if you're in an <laughs> intense moment where you're eye to eye with everybody and right. you don't know what's going on uh, it, it's pretty difficult to think of something. Because you're, bal- you're trying to keep track of your own symbol, everyone else's symbol at the same time, all their categories. There's a lot you're actually holding on to in your brain. You're just like, oh, and then the stress. It's great. You're constantly on edge. It's so <laughs> much fun. The adrenaline just gets you pumped. It's very fun. Very <laughs> it's a lot fun. of fun. It's a very, very easy to replay over and over again. But uh, Spencer, thank you for helping me out with a lot of that because... Uh, it's fun you, stuff. Yeah, it's fun it's, stuff. It's pretty cool interesting stuff i could go down this rabbit hole but i think you're you're getting your doctorate in it so uh, yeah hopefully hopefully soon <laughs> i don't uh, i don't think it's gonna go anywhere hopefully they'll like give it to you um but if you don't get anything else and i don't get anything else that's all i got um thanks everybody for listening uh i hope you enjoyed the podcast if you have any questions or comments um or if you have your own um aphasia that you're suffering from <laughs> oh god uh, <laughs> Let us know. I, Let I mean, us know, yeah. It's, we find it very interesting. It's one of the reasons why we picked this topic. I mean, it's a pretty obvious topic for this kind of game. Um, but if you have any questions or comments or aphasias you want to send us, go ahead and send them to beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at goingbtb. That's goingbtb for brains that 
Break. Break. That's good. <laughs> Brains that break. BTB. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast if you want to uh, get us on our regular uh, Sunday night, Monday morning uh, schedule. Um, and go ahead and leave us a review. We like reviews. We got a couple, uh, but uh, we like some more. Yeah. Yeah. Just or just rate us. Some just more the merrier. Just click a click a star number that you think that uh, we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay you five dollars to do five. Um, no, we won't do that. Um, but uh, to close this out, I, I've got a real quick anomia for Spencer. Oh, and go, antlered animal. Uh, a reindeer. Oh, wow, that was really quick. That was not bad. No.